seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 171 of Color of Magic, a magic gaming podcast where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Aquan Watson, and for 171 episodes, still got my main man by my side. How's it going, Brian? It is. It is going. We're trucking along. We're uh, back being warm again, so now I'm getting the uh, hay fever and mountain cedar, all that good stuff. Oh man, I, we're warm-ish. I mean, fifty degrees. <laughs> you know, like kind of warm for here, I guess, for this time of year. Still wet as hell, though. I mean, it just well, not yeah, even it's... like rainy, just drizzly. Like, just you know, you'll get a day of sun, and then two days of just like drizzle cloudiness, oh, and then man. another day of sun. So it's kind of a weird time right now, but we're doing okay. I will say though, man, I felt like this week there were so many things that popped up online that like just like contentious points weird things to learn by the way okay so this is a fun thing this is a just a bonus what did we learn today i guess but did you ever see the clip going around of michael jackson during one of his tours and the dude messed up and he was supposed to cut the music at some point when you posted that it was actually the, somehow the first time i had seen that. really yeah this is like the third or fourth time i've seen it circulating but it's one of the funniest things watching right? Michael Jackson ad-lib in a song live. Yeah. To like, hey, Brad! Uh, yeah, like, Brad, what you gonna do? What you gonna yeah. do, Brad? Right. Like, in the lyrics, right? Just And you know people in the audience have to be going like, these aren't what the lyrics. What is happening right now? Yeah. And dude, and it's a full-ass stadium. I mean, like, yeah. probably 80,000 people, right? You can you can manipulate the words to some extent in a play, especially if it's a play most people don't know. Not in a song, especially not a Michael. Everybody knows all the words. To, to oh, dude, the best part at one point, he even says something like, "Job is gone." Yeah. Is like while he's singing, I'm like, "Brad ain't gonna make it to the next tour." Right? Like, but but what's crazy is the reason I bring it up is because I'd seen that clip several times. But there was an interview because there's somebody who has like, I think it's like the MJ podcast or something where they just go through like Michael Jackson's history and songs and the backgrounds, and everything. And they found Brad and Brad came on and he was talking about how that whole situation even happened. And he said it was because I guess there was supposed to be a cue in the the choreography or something on stage where Michael Jackson and the, the female singer were supposed to come together in the center of the stage. And then that starts the cue toward the end of the music, whatever, right? Because they didn't do that. He was like, okay, well, maybe Mike's going to do something and then they're going to have that moment. So he's still letting the music roll, you know, waiting for the cue, which never came. And then I guess Michael Jackson was like, bro, you're supposed to be ending the song. Like, what the hell are we doing? You know, right? Brad! Yeah. (laughs) But the funny thing is... Turns out Brad didn't get fired. Like he said, that ended up being like a non-issue. Like they didn't even really even talk about it afterwards. Just a thing. And he said there were other issues on other tour stops. You know, real technical things that happened that they had real discussions over and even frustrated him at times or whatever. But he said no. He worked multiple other tours with him and whatever, and it was a non-issue. So while that and clip is really fair, Mike, Michael frustrated. <laughs> Every like he said, total perfectionist. He's just. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. Like, everybody knew that. Like, you had to bring your A-game to work with him because he had crazy big ideas all the time. They said, well, you know, he was – obviously, he they knew how good Thriller – I think Michael probably knew more about how good Thriller was going to be than the record company did. And if Thriller stopped being number one for a week, he would start calling people to the record company, hey, what are we going to do about this? We're not there. And they're like, well, Michael, you know, nobody's number one forever. He's like, whatever. What are we going to do about this? Dude, I'll tell you the crazy thing. I remember there was a show on TBS years ago called Night Tracks. And they would show just random music videos or movies or whatever. And I remember when Thriller came on, I thought it was a movie. Right. Like, I did not even know. Like, I wasn't even processing. I was watching a music video. Like, that's how different it was. And it was like, dude, that was kind of creepy, kind of fun. Like the music was cool, and I, I don't know. I guess I thought I was watching a musical because I was only like ten, I think, or something when it came that out. That was so, that was one of the things he did because they didn't even want to do a video because first the, the, they said uh, the head of the record company hated Thriller. He's like, what, what is this? A, a monster song? Nobody does that. We're not going to make a video for Thriller. Oh, <laughs> we're dude, that's, that's, we're, they, they didn't plan to release Thriller as a single. Because that thing was, like, number one for, like, two years or something. Like, it was insane. But you think about before that, who the the last song about monsters that was even kind of popular was the Monster Mash, and that was about 40 years before that. So You know what, though? Real talk. Like, if y'all haven't seen it, I watched it maybe, like, two or three years after the fact. But the the last Michael Jackson movie they did, the the This Is It, I think what it was called, was it was, like, recapping the tour he was about to go on before he passed. Honestly, and I said this dead serious after I got done watching it, the music industry is probably lucky Michael Jackson died because the level of that tour and the insanity that that was going to pull off, people were not going to be able to match live shows like that. Like he had this whole thing set up where there was going to be like 3D things and he was going to step out of this like fake 3D ship or whatever. And like it was like the stuff they were going to do was nuts. And Nobody was saying no because it was Michael Jackson. Like everybody's yeah. like, "Yeah, of course we can do that. We'll find." Yeah, a they way. learned, you know, yeah. after Thriller and, and Bad. And like, hey, yeah, no, whatever Michael Jackson wants to do, you figure out how to make and it. And not work. just that, they had so many musicians on there that yeah. were like touring with like Shania Twain and like these big mu- rock bands and stuff. And literally, they were like, "Deuces, I'm gonna go do the Michael Jackson tour." Like right. he had the best of everybody was gonna be on that yep. tour because people are like, "F it, it might be Michael Jackson's last tour." I ain't saying no, right? right? So. Man, that that was gonna be nuts. Like it was gonna be the craziest tour. Like I get why people were trying to pay, you know, whatever it was, yeah. you know, ten thousand dollars for a ticket or whatever. Like, and he was definitely one of the best. But it's not. I read a piece that they all go about how you know the record industry is panicking because uh, Phil Collins, for example, is not, is on his last legs. So after Phil Collins stops being able to tour, I mean, Genesis may keep touring, but who really was you know. You're seeing a legacy after you see Genesis without Phil Collins, and everybody knows this. You're you're going just because you like Genesis songs and have nothing else to do that night, basically. Uh, the Rolling Stones, you know, none of them are getting any younger, and and it, it's basically whenever Mick Jagger dies or stops, the Stones will have to stop performing. So there's a lot of acts that are at the you know where they can't possibly go much longer, and they don't have a lot of acts to replace them. You think about like. Who can who can sell out as many stadiums in as many countries as the Rolling Stones? Almost no one. Oh yeah, yeah. Like you have a few. You have like I don't know, like your Beyonces of the world or whatever. But like, and, and that's the thing. Beyonce and Beyonce and Jay Z appeal 
to a certain audience. Yeah, that's what how I'm many saying. how many old white people buy Jay Z and Beyonce tickets? Very few. Oh, not <laughs> just that. I think the bigger problem that we've seen in the industry for a long time is that you're getting a lot of these acts that are good for like a two to five year stretch. Yeah. Right. And I've told people that before, like, especially in hip hop and R and B and stuff is there's a lot of people that come and go and whatever, but they're like flash in a pan, right? They're like, how many of these dudes are you listening to or women that you hear a song and you're like, man, they're going to be playing this for 10 years, right? Oh, this is going to be in every movie in the next decade or whatever. Right. You're just not. And that is the problem the record industry is dealing with is, you know, we're losing some of those big name, you know, headline stadiums for 50 years acts. And the industry is not generating people to replace them at that same rate. I mean, we talked about it before, but like, think about the last Super Bowl act, right? Like people came out of the world. People were bonkers. That was one of the highest rated Super Bowl halftime shows ever. And it was a bunch of people who did music, well, except for one of them, that all did music like 30 years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like that's the crazy part. It was it was Snoop, you know, Eminem, Dr. Dre, yeah. you know, Mary J. Blige, you know, whatever. And it was like, yeah, but people everywhere still listen to them. Right. How many current rappers do you think are still going to be putting out hits 25, 30 years from now? Drake, maybe? You, you, I, if I really tried, I might be able to come up with like five to 10. Yeah. Maybe. maybe. And again, to keep to like, as I said, the Rolling Stones, who, what band could replace the amount of money the Rolling Stones make where you are a headlining act for, you might as well say 50 years. <laughs> who else will be able to do that? Oh yeah. that That's definitely is, what's missing. There right is now. no band in place to replace the Rolling Stones. And to be honest, as much as I want to put that on the labels, some of it's on the performers, right? Everybody's yeah. worried about making money today, not yeah. what it's going to look like five, 10 years from now. And bands that most bands that become popular don't stay together for 10 years, let alone 50. You know, but I will say this, that's one of the things that for as much as people wanted to talk crap about Eminem, whatever, that's one of the things Dr. Dre told him is like, yeah, I can help you make a lot of money for a long time. Exactly. Right. Like you just follow what I'm I'm going to get you to do and you're going to be a rich man for a very long time. And and that's when nobody wanted to have a white dude in, in the rap right. industry or whatever. Like Dre was like, nope, we, we got a plan. This kid's going to make it. Yeah. Everybody else like, oh, he's he going to be Vanilla Ice. <laughs> yep. By the way, Vanilla Ice, while he's not necessarily making as much money as a as a touring act anymore, but he still always figures out some way to stay relevant. Yep. Fixing houses now. Right. (laughs) He made the most of his 15 minutes. Oh man. Well, now we took everybody on a detour. (laughs) Like, by the way, if you're not a patron, since we'll just get this plug in there, like you can go over and be a patron on on patreon.com slash color magic. And these kind of conversations we post like once a month for our patrons. So like we get into some deep, right. crazy side we, stuff. We, we, go, we go ahead huge detours on purpose. Yeah. And we put that over there. So if you, you want more of that, go get it. Uh, and that was not an intention, intentional advertisement for that, but it just made sense. Uh, but also, if you want to support the show over at Patreon, you can go be just like Harrison Jones and Cole Raven. Thank you so much. Two new patrons that came on this week. You can also support the show by going over to colormtg.com slash shop, and you can get some tokens and playmats with our likeness and our logos if you want to go out, especially as we're starting to go to events again. That's pretty cool. 
or to your local tournaments or whatever and help support the show. And of course, we do have a show sponsor in Cardsphere that you need to go check out. Really good people over there. Great place to buy, sell, trade your magic cards. And the biggest feature they have that we've been pushing for a while that's absolutely true is you can name your price for what you want to buy or sell something for. And that's pretty damn cool. Definitely a different type of site. Works differently than some of the others. But once you figure it out, there's a lot to be done. Matter of fact, people that have sent me messages in our Discord and stuff said, man, I went over to Cardsphere and I already had cards coming in like a week. And so like, it's a thing. It works. I promise. I even use it. I've sold a lot of cards through there. So check them out over at Cardsphere.com. And now some interesting soapboxy stuff I think we've got today. All right, so this kind of comes up because a few different things over the last few weeks have kind of been attached to this this subject. But I wanted to touch on attachments people have to fictional characters and how it can be both good and bad and, and the purpose of it or whatever, right? Because at its core, good writing makes you care. Whether it's about the environment or the people or the individual characters or some mission or whatever it is, right? A good writer finds a way to get an emotional response from you. Like those are the books, those are the movies you know, the the poems, the whatever that we care about the most because they resonate with us in some way. If if they don't do that, then you just don't care. Right? Even as a kid, there's there were times people probably related to the different Ninja Turtles or whatever, right? The different personalities or whatever, or different characters that maybe had been abandoned and were taken in by somebody. And you're like, oh man, I'm an adopted kid or whatever, right? Like Uncle Phil. I, I just talked with one of my friends about Uncle Phil this past because they're actually doing a book on the Fresh Prince, and, you know, just we're talking about a a piece that I wrote several years ago, you know, about how much the character of Uncle Phil meant to people, you know, that maybe their dad wasn't involved in their life, but, you know, somebody else like Uncle Phil stepped up and helped steer them through childhood and adolescence. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Rest in peace, James Avery, man, because, right. like, that, that dude, like, he was up there as far as TV. Like, for me, it, mm-hmm. it was him and Carl Winslow, like, right. that I saw every week for yep. probably from the time I was 11 or 12 to the time I was like 20, you know, <laughs> like though either of those two dudes were on my TV every week. Yeah. Right. And, and you just went like, man, like, and I, you know, I was, I mean, I had my dad, my dad was, was not the the best person, but having those characters to look to, like I get how people would be attached to those dudes. Right. Right. Or being in, you know, putting yourself in the position of will or one of those other guys and being like, Ah, I can relate to this so much, you know, or see, you know, you go, oh, I remember when my dad bailed me out like that when I had a situation or whatever. Right. So, you, but that's, those are the shows and the characters, whatever that are memorable that stick with you, which is good. That's, that's a sign of good writing. Even, even if the writing is mediocre, it did its job. Right. And I think that's the thing. Like, I hate seeing people go to, go to a movie or whatever and say, oh, the acting was terrible. This person was, blah, but did you enjoy it? Like, did it resonate with you? Did we, okay, cool. It still did what it was supposed to do, right? And, that, and that I mean, goes, I've heard stories about you know where people like don't you know subconsciously they must realize it's a TV show. I read one story about this lady who was an actress on a soap opera, 
And she said, you know, she was on a date with in real life with her actual husband. And she said, why is it? Why is a person staring at you? What what is happening? Do you know her? No. And then finally, you know, even the lady's husband's like, who is that woman? And why cannot we not have dinner? Because you keep staring at her like, oh, that's uh, Molly from As the World Turns. And I hate her. And everybody's like. For real, though. But that means Molly did a good job of acting. Yeah, exactly. Because that lady really hates. You know, she knows that's not really Molly. She, she still just, that's how much she hates that character. You know, and, and that's why, you know, you you know the listeners by now know that we're both wrestling fans. And, like, you yep. know, they hear us talk about wrestling. But one of the things about wrestling is their whole job is to get a reaction out of you. Exactly. Right? If you if And one of the wrestlers will tell you one key thing. Good or bad, you want a reaction out of the audience. Yeah, you don't you want get them to no go reaction to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible, right? And I, I shared a clip the other day where it, it was Elias and Kevin Owens, and they were in yeah. Seattle. And I remember being there, and the cra- and this is back in 2018, I believe it was. They had a segment, and they were talking about how like something like you know something that the the city doesn't care about certain things or doesn't take care of stuff, and then he throws in. That's the reason they don't have the supersonics here anymore or whatever. Wow. Oh, dude. Like, that's such a sore spot for the city. For every, that, for every city that's lost their sports oh, team. That, if you just want to kick them in the pants, that's how, right there. But he took that dig, and I... Sh- oh, man, I'm almost cussing here. Like, I kid you <laughs> not. The loudest, most sustained negative response I have ever heard at any event. And I mean, dude, it's like a good, like, solid three, four minutes of just booing, like, enough that it's literally rumbling the building. Like That is beautiful. One dude responded and said, man, I remember being there, and my glasses were falling off my face because they kept shaking. (laughs) That is great. And I'm like, that's what you want. Like, you, even when you watch it, the replay live and watch the characters, you see the smug look on Elias' face like, I got these MFers. Like, you know, he knows right then. So they just... And they play it perfectly. They time it just right. So just as the reaction's coming down, they make another snarky response and it fires right back up, right? But that got a lot of heat on those characters for the right. next, like, two months or whatever, right? Now everybody's like, oh, these guys are jerks or whatever. But in even outside of that, like, even though we know it's all fake and we know they're playing characters or whatever, now if something real life happens to one of those dudes... You feel bad for him, right? Because you're like, man, I kind of enjoyed that person. It was fun. And, like, you know, he was good at being a heel or whatever. It's one of the reasons Kevin Owens being used right now because he's attached to these big moments like that or the the list of KO or whatever, right? All those moments. And I and it's a it's a big well, deal. Just, uh, you know, well, yesterday for us, it'll be a couple of days by the time y'all hear this, but I mean Jay Briscoe was killed in the car wreck yesterday, and you're seeing how many people are talking about, you know, the impact he had on them, whether it's somebody that worked with him or just people, you know, that watched his matches and were just in awe of his athleticism and his, you know, and, and his character that he played, that kind of stuff. I know he wasn't actually a Briscoe. I just found that out, you know, yeah. yesterday. And, and, you know, and I, and I bring this up. There, there's a connection here. You know, I bring this up because we're currently, and we'll talk about this more later in the show, but we started talking about the new storyline for Phyrexia All Will Be One, right? And you're seeing these characters, these planeswalkers be completed. And for those of you that may not know, it's basically they're being assimilated like the Borg to the the big bad machine guys or whatever. And people are having very emotional reactions to this. And some people are like, I don't get it. They're just characters. Why do y'all care so much? Whatever. 
But the reality is that just means that Wizards and the writers and whatever, R&D, have done the right things over a series of years to get people attached to these different characters. Otherwise, the story has no meaning, right? Like, if, exactly. if, if you do all the characters nobody cares about, then it's like, all right, bad guys are doing bad guy things, but nobody's really emotionally attached to it. But now and we're finding like, out that, you know, that, that some of the characters that I think Wizards probably thought <laughs> nobody cared about. You're seeing people get killed and there are a million think pieces going up. Like, oh, I can't believe they killed this character. There are so many opportunities that were never used. Well, to be fair, like everybody's like, oh, yeah, it sucks that Luca's completed, but whatever. Yeah. I, I didn't realize nobody liked Luca. Like, no, I, no, at like, least a couple of people do because I one of the pieces I oh, saw. Really? I think, yeah, I didn't, the, I didn't see nobody who was in favor. The piece of that came to mind. Somebody's talking about man. It's a shame he got completed. We'll never find out what happened between him and uh, I, I can't think of their name. Which character betrayed him? Do you remember? Oh, I don't remember. But yeah, somebody betrayed him apparently, and I guess if he stays completed, we'll never get a resolution to that. Now, I will say this: like Jace, yep. You know, Nissa, yep. Like, and these are those yeah, are like Nissa hurt me. That's one like, of my favorites. Yeah, like, and those are ones. As soon as I saw those, I went, "Yeah, now you're gonna get people fired up, right?" Like, because these are characters that we have like 10, 15 years of history yep. with, right? Like, now, now you're talking. Now we're getting into the danger zone. And even though it's not moving me, I knew the expected reaction. Yeah. Right, and that's good. That's what you want. But the other side of that, which we're seeing, is you know, well, we've talked about it before, like the Harry Potter game, right? We talked about that last week. You have people saying like, well, I feel so strongly attached to this. I still want to play the game. Right? Like, that's how powerful, for good or bad, right? We we don't agree with it. We're probably not going to play the games, you know, whatever. But I get how people get there. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm not saying it's right. But, but I get it, right? You're talking about somebody's whole childhood pack of memories or whatever for a lot of people start with those books and also i don't know that there's ever been what you would consider to be a good game in the harry potter universe it's not like madden where hey i'm gonna get one of these every year or call of duty or any kind of game like that where you know you've got this well let's say this is the only good harry potter game that ever happens which is which is possible I, I just just think about you know for for the people that are not able to play that because yeah it because J.K. Rowling is you know a largely terrible person. Oh sure, sure, and that's what I'm saying. Like I don't I don't agree with that. I, like obviously, like I said, it's not going to come across my screen. So you know, it is what it is. But it's I get where people are still like ah you know they they've spent the last hell I don't know twenty years identifying as as a Harry Potter house or whatever right. and all this stuff right they they bought merchandise they've thrown birthday parties and you know that's a tough thing to break i mean it's powerful nostalgia you know as well as nostalgia is a big thing man and when you yeah. have those emotional things attached especially in this case to characters that were part I, of your livelihood for that long right before we fired this up i was watching the night court resurrection cuz again that was you know mm-hmm. every every Thursday night and I can think what 8 p.m. or whatever in Minden, Louisiana, I'm watching Night Court and just watching, you know, Harry Anderson, John Larroquette and that whole that that whole cast just do just a, a master class in just absurdism and, and just going for, for the most ridiculous jokes. I think at one point 
they brought the coyote in and put him on trial for chasing the roadrunner. They would just commit to the dumbest thing and, and go with it just to see where it went. There you go. Yeah, it's a, I mean, so like I said, the reason I bring it up, though, is just like seeing the reactions that people have to all these different characters and different things. You know, being a nerd, being attached to all this ridiculous sci-fi, whatever, like everybody's going to have these different moments for different reasons, right? And so, even people that say, like, I don't get it, that there's some character that, like, they, oh, they yeah, get there's it. somebody. Everybody has that. Well, unless you just don't read books or watch movies or any, there's somebody where like you. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're the Unabomber and you're not consuming content in any way, then I guess you know, living out in the woods or something. Wow. But like, there's got to be something you know that you you have that attachment to, because I mean, attachment to fictional characters is powerful, because even more so than attachments to real people because we kind of get to shape our own reality and our own thoughts and our own attachments to those characters because there's nothing else to regulate or change that. Like it's a powerful thing, but all right, I'm going to pass this off and let you move on so we can get through the show. All right. We often on here have, have joked about people who say, I'm not a racist, but then proceed to say one of the say something incredibly crazy. I say that thing never goes. I'm not a racist, but I think most black people are really smart. That's never where that goes. It's always I'm not a racist, but followed by something phenomenally bad that they shouldn't have said. And a little while ago, I heard somebody say, I'm not. One of those overthrow the government types, but, and sure enough, <laughs> I knew this interview was going to go bad, and lo and behold, they proceeded to list multiple ways in which you could act against the federal government in their mind with, with the law degree that they don't have, provided you think the federal government is not properly obeying the U.S. Constitution. Yeah, let me tell you, I'm not there. I think I might have added a new list or a new town to the list of places I don't know that I'm comfortable going. Uh, I know a list of a few. Yeah. <laughs> the unfortunate thing is it's the town where I've done shows before. So I just really. <laughs> Man, you know, that is that is the one of the things. Like we've talked about before how there's sundown towns and everything yeah. that people don't know about. But when you find out a place you've already been mm-hmm. is dangerous, and then you start thinking about, oh, was what was this interaction? What like maybe this is why this person looked at me funny or yeah. right, you start, was in the crowd, you know. Yeah, you start questioning a lot of things that you didn't question before. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah, we, you know, it's, it, we, we throw occasionally the political joke out there in some of our comedy shows, and you, when we're in an era now when people are just getting up on stage and slapping the comedian if they don't like the jokes, you know. So I, I didn't think comedy was comedy wasn't a dangerous profession when I started it. <laughs> Things have changed in, rapidly in the past couple of years slash months. Yeah, it's still wild that stuff happened, didn't it? Right. <laughs> it just and and there were a couple of copycat incidents at comedy clubs after that. They didn't get nearly as much publicity because it's not Will Smith slapping somebody, but there have already been yeah. Uh, I, I did see a couple where some dudes got carried off too. Yeah. 
So I don't know. Like the, they probably the, had charges pressed and everything else. The Dave Chappelle incident, you know, you probably saw that one, but there's been some other ones where. Dude, I saw course, one. It was it was like in a small. Well, I mean, a lot of places are small that do comedy stuff, but this one, like, I don't. It it didn't even look like a real venue, but it was, and this dude, he I just bombed. Like, just yeah. none of his jokes hit. They were all terrible. Half of them were like just poorly misogynistic or whatever. Just yeah. not well constructed jokes at all. Dude had his like five minutes or whatever. They he tried. They were like, yeah. "All right, you're not funny." Like, just we've all been break. there. I think every yeah. comedian that's you know from the best to the worst, we've all gone up there and, and just just oh. ate it. See, the oh, problem exactly. with this dude is they were already to the point of trying to get like the cane from the the Apollo trying to get oh, him. Yeah, stage. yeah. He, he was that bad, and then he kept trying to go on. And then the crowd's like, bruh, you're just not funny, right? Everybody's just telling him, like, dude, you get off. We're, we want to see somebody else at this point, right? But you're, the problem right? is, you know, like, he's not the one running the show. Like, there's, you know. Dude. Oh, that was exactly it. I was surprised. Like, the, there was still, like, another four or five minutes of this dude, like, resisting getting off the stage or whatever. And I'm like, how is this I even mean, a thing? If, like, if cut you, his mic or whatever. But you know? if you set, slated him for 10 minutes, the next guy or girl isn't ready yet. What else can you do? Oh, there's no way they gave this dude a 10-minute set. I think this was, like, an open mic you, thing, and he was terrible. Or you would, you would, well, again, if it's an open mic night, yeah, there's no guarantee the next person will be any better because it's an open mic night. Some oh, of them. I would take a bad joke over just somebody being misogynistic, racist, whatever, and you're not even close to funny. So some of them, you know, will, I, I think there was one I attended. I think it started around seven or eight. And I'm talking about it went till 1 a.m. because they just let any anybody go on to go up there. To me, if you've gone up there two or three times and you've never gotten a single laugh, they just get it's it's it, it speaks on the comedy club at that point. If they keep letting you get up there, yeah, you got to prove me something. If you fail twice, it's like okay, you need to come talk to me. Get at least let me sample a little bit of your new material, and then you know. And I don't care if you know it's I don't care if it's thirty of the best comics in the world. Thirty's too many, you know. <laughs> just you, you're there till. So, so now I've start, started looking to be like, where, where I, before I go up even for an open mic, I'm going to say, hey, what's the, what time do we cut this off? You know, how many people are going up here? Because you might have slayed. But if you went up at 7 p.m. and the thing ran till midnight, who will remember you? They saw 20 other comedians. Yeah, that is true. There's a couple of local spots I've been to that they weren't that long. But when you get into like end of hour three and you're like man i hope yeah. this is the last person or like exactly hey. or then you push them off because you have a bunch of openers for like your yeah. main night and you know the main person to do a minimum of 30 minutes right you're like ah we're gonna be here for a while still <laughs> number one rule of show business is to always leave them wanting more true true but yeah if y'all don't do live comedy you should go out and see it sometime like it is a good laugh literally like you should go just have a good, you know, buy your true drink minimum or a food item or whatever it is that they ask you to buy and just go have a good time. It's a good. And by the way, if you're going to leave, you know, uh, a, a Yelp review, because somebody did that for one of the comedy clubs that I go to, they reviewed the food. Don't go to a comedy club for the food. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, they all kind of have basic stuff. I mean, you, you can get some like fish and chips. You can get a little salad. Yeah, get, but nobody nobody says or something. But nobody says where do you want to eat tonight? Ooh, Addison Improv. That's not what you're there for. Yeah, yeah. Like you that get, would be like going to rate a comedy club. It'd be for the venue itself. Yeah, right. Was it well lit? Was it smoky? 
were the seats comfortable since I had to be there for like three hours? You know, stuff like that. Right? That all makes sense. Like if you go to the movies, do you rate the popcorn? No, because that's not what you're there for. That's how that's the overhead that keeps the movie theater business. Comedy, comedy club food, same thing. That's to make sure they get X amount of money from everybody that comes through the door. Yeah, I don't know. Like it's it's worth it to me, though. Like, honestly, I think it's so much. Well, fun. Absolutely. Because it's, it's, you know, you, you might end up on stage. You just never know. <laughs> and you find out people you didn't know in your area that are really funny. Exactly. Like, there's a lot, a lot of folks around you. That you honestly, I was surprised how many people I've talked to that have at least attempted an open mic. Yeah. That I would have never thought would have been a thing. So that's kind of funny. But let's get into some other stuff and talk about what we learned because it's that time of the week and we actually have some really interesting stuff to cover this week i think people are going to be excited with these facts all right uh i'm sure you've sure you're well acquainted with pokemon go game uh, kind of surged and uh, took over the world for a long time there and apparently it's it's my activity app whenever i go and walk around the parks right i mean i still i still play it my kids still play it and they apparently are going to do it's uh, tentatively called NBA All World, so I guess you're just going to go around your city and collect basketball players. So, yeah, they're going to hook me again, I'm, I'm pretty sure. So, wait, wait, have... so, like, how how do I, like, I mean, because you can't just, I, I, I guess we're going to find, like, a a LeBron James or a Luka Doncic in the woods? Like, I mean, like, how does, how does that work? I'm going to assume it'll probably, you know, you'll be going to, like, you know, Dick Sporting Goods or, you know, local basketball court. But, I mean, if you... Well, let's say you live in a NBA city. You might be, it's possible you go to a restaurant. Hey, LeBron's there. You know, that's you. If you live, live in a major city, you might have had that encounter before. That's interesting. Because like with Pokemon, you, they literally just found everywhere. Like, you know, wherever you happen to be strolling about on the street or on, like I said, I do it at the park or whatever. There's, mm-hmm. there's just Pokemon. But yeah, that's interesting. Because the thing with Pokemon Go is there's even like, weather related things so when it's like rainier the yep. odds are higher of finding certain ones or whatever like so it'd be know, like, like hey if uh if weather's bad i don't know higher higher chance of finding uh a bad play- throw shooter right? <laughs> you know like they have like a make it rain event or something you know there's all kinds of things they could do with that yeah i don't know i was just thinking like i don't know you know a certain basketball player likes french fries so you better better right? chance of finding them at a fast food joint or something or you know somebody's uh somebody's having a, a really really bad stretch. You might have to go to a brickyard to find them. <laughs> Maybe you take all these bricks and build a project for the homeless. For all those remember, white man can't jump. Which for some reason, if you haven't ever seen that, you, even if you don't like basketball, white man can't jump is hilarious. Woody Harrelson was very solid in that movie. Right, very underrated. Honestly. And they're talking about remaking it, and I'm extremely nervous about that. Yeah, no re- reason to remake that movie. There's there's nothing else to do with it. Those characters, like that whole plot, characters, everything were resolved already. There there is nothing else to do with that. Although I, I guess their excuse is, hey, you look at how often Broadway does the same show with different actors, and Broadway has yet to run out of money, so maybe Hollywood's going to slowly but surely turn into. I guess it, it, it's always done that. Because we just had our, what, I don't know, 15th incarnation of A Star is Born. And again, it made money and won a bunch of Oscars. It just, I guess every, every 25, 30 years, somebody's going to do A Star is Born. Yeah. I mean, I can't argue with you. Uh, that is a thing. 
but yeah, I don't know, man. I'd I'd play a NBA ver. I'd at least try the NBA version. I don't know how yeah, I would be, but I think the crossover potential is way higher. Because like, uh, I mean, Pokemon gotcha obviously- games are very addictive, just in general. <laughs> yeah, but I'm thinking like Pokemon is just Pokemon, right? It's just Nintendo stuff, and that's it. So you can't really do much with it. But with like basketball, you can do actual NBA. You know, who maybe there's a thing where you randomly can do drawings for tickets or something, right? They say one of the things you'll do is like when I guess you and another person show up and you both want LeBron or whatever, you'll have to have have to do a basically like a a shoot off, I guess, play horse or something. Whoever wins gets the player. So that's going to be cool. Yeah, that's neat. If two people end up trying to get the same character or person at the same time, I like the fact that maybe you could do certain days themed around certain teams could be fun yeah. or like certain character cha- characters players like birthdays or something right maybe stuff with shoe deals you're absolutely gonna see shoe deals gatorade i'm sure shackle has some kind of papa john's partnership to throw in there that's what i'm saying like there's a lot of opportunity there that could make it pretty immersive which could be neat so yeah. and you know and obviously for for people that want to spend money and there is a large port i think for most of these games it's about two to three percent of the people that are the whales that pay for the stuff but that two or three percent buys okay. enough to make the entire game profitable yeah they're worth millions and, and the reality, too, is for people that don't know, a game like this is easy to produce because the underlying basis of it is just the same mapping that they used yep. previously. Like, Pokemon Go wasn't Google even Earth, you know? Well, they it's not Google Earth. They had another game. It was like a okay. sky-type game that you would go to different locations. And, like, depending I, – it was kind of like, you know, red versus blue sort of thing. Like you would try to convert so many spots to your team, and then the other local folks would try to convert so many to their team. I can't remember the name of it, but I had dabbled in it. I didn't really play it, but I knew of it. So that's why when Pokemon Go started, and I realized, oh, Niantic's like the same company that worked on this other thing. And then I realized if you overlay the maps, it's like all the same locations. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming they're going to use the same thing for this one. So they were all the you could technically play. You, you can play two or three of these games at once. Huh? Go get your Pokemon. Yeah. Go open up the app and get your basketball player. And then uh, do they have any other ones going like that are currently active? I don't think so. I think those are the only like Pokemon Go got so big yeah. that you either kind of played that or you didn't. Yeah, and there was a there was a Harry Potter one that died, and I'm sure that probably J.K. Rowling reasons. <laughs> who Honestly, but who knows? Uh, okay, so mine's not as fun as NBA Go or whatever, shoot around, whatever we're calling it, NBA All World. Yeah. <laughs> but this was an interesting thing because I saw it come up on Twitter and then it came up in my Discord. So I figured I was gonna I was gonna talk about this. But a lot of fans, viewers, I guess, or fans of different creators were under the assumption that Twitch was the best paying option for creators. And it's not even close, y'all. Like, for real, not close. We Now, we've talked before about discoverability and blah, blah. Yeah. But for actual pay, Twitch has probably the easiest, I would say most robust, but now YouTube has a bunch of ways you could pay creators. Yeah. So I would say the most easy, easily integrated and fan-aware payment options for creators. Because people know about the bits and they know about subbing and, you know, and then there's a bunch of like hidden sort of things where 
you know, the ad revenues there and then somebody could buy a, an item that you're promoting and you can get a percentage, right? Some of those are kind of there and hidden. But everybody kind of gets the basic stuff for the most part and they can just donate money or whatever. But the reality is the creator gets ve- so little of every dollar you give Twitch. Like on Twitch, if you give the creator a subscription, they get 50%. So if you give them five, they keep 250. Even on bits, they try to say like, oh, well, the creator gets 80% of each bit that comes in. That's mostly true by the literal word. But the reality is there's a 30 to 40%, I guess we would call it surcharge, whenever you go to purchase the bits. So that's money that's already gone to Twitch that the creator never sees. And then of the remaining $1 bit or whatever, one cent bit or whatever you give to somebody, they get 80% and Twitch takes 20%. So on the whole transaction, they probably made close to 50% anyway, right? When it's all done. Whereas if you're on something like YouTube, YouTube takes 30% and the creator keeps 70 And that's if you just do a super thanks on a video and just donate money to that video. If you give them any money on a, uh, I guess you call it a super chat or whatever on, on their streams. If you are a YouTube member over there, creator keeps 70%. The only place YouTube takes any significant portion is just from ad revenue. And even then, it's a 55-45 split in favor of the creator. Which, by the way, the ad revenue on Twitch is not good. <laughs> it is real bad. Like, you can have one of your better months and you look at how much you made from ads and it's like, you know, $30 or whatever. Right? Like, it, it just doesn't. As a matter of fact, that program we talked about where they're trying to pay people for ads and whatever, I've seen that going down and down. Like, every month near the end of the month or very beginning, you'll see people go, oh, I just got my new offer from Twitch and it's worse than last month or whatever. That's wow. a recurring theme. I've seen one or two people that have had it go up. Everybody else has been down. And some of it's real bad. Like I saw somebody's where they were doing like two minutes of ads for, let's say like for a hundred hours and they were going to get or two, two minutes of ads per hour for a hundred hours and they were going to get paid like 200 bucks or whatever, right? But then the next month, was like $150 for three minutes of ads during those 100. So it's like, so you want 50% more ads and you're paying 25% less money. Like, So it sounds like that program is not going as planned. Yeah, it's just definitely not working. So now I kind of get that if you don't know better and you see people streaming or whatever and you see that's where everybody wants to get started and you're like, oh, well, this must be the thing because everybody wants to do this thing. The reality is, the one benefit Twitch does have is that it's fairly easy to get monetized compared to other platforms, right? Because you only have to get to whatever it is, what, five concurrent viewers or whatever over so long or something. It's a very low thing over, and you I, have to I think, Go ahead. Yeah, at least three for affiliate. Oh, so it's even lower than I thought. Yeah. And that's, and you only have to do, I think, like 12 streams in a month, and they only have to be longer than like an hour or two hours, something like that. So very, very low. If you put your mind to it for a month you can probably get monetized right so that's the benefit there but once you're able to build an audience and everything else other places are better i mean i'm not even a huge fan of how they did stuff on facebook and facebook for some people is going to be better than twitch from just a revenue perspective depending on what you're doing and how you're presenting it 
And YouTube definitely in the long run, because of all the discoverability and everything else goes with it, is definitely the better option. But yeah, if you're following people and I would even say if they have the option of you can be a YouTube member or you can be a Twitch member, if you want more money to go in their pocket, go sign up over on YouTube. I It's just going to let them keep more of the money. And honestly, less goes into Amazon's pocket. So that's a thing. And people can discover you, you know, any time of day because people actually watch, you know, the YouTube videos when you're not there as opposed to Twitch where the video on demand just doesn't get looked at. Yeah, and and it and it works because I can tell you I have I recently tested because I'd only done daytime streams on YouTube when I've done them. I tested when it was nighttime, and it was almost like a it was barely lower than a than a daytime stream. And a bunch of people are like, "Oh, I saw a notification, or this thing happened, or I was looking at your video and it showed you were live, so I came over to watch or whatever." So yeah, they they've got tools that work. I don't know what else to tell people, but yeah monetization definitely is better for your creator friends on other platforms. Twitch is probably the worst, honestly. They just have the biggest name and they were kind of like the the coke of the streaming industry for a while. So that's what everybody knows. But yeah, definitely not the best. Easiest to get monetized though, which is a benefit. But once you've been doing it for a while, you're probably better off monetizing other things. But all right, let's get into the news. Now, last week's show had a very interesting thing that y'all didn't get to know about as listeners because I made an executive decision that we talked about the whole uh, D&D OGL 1.1, I think, that was going out. And I cut it because I had seen some rumblings, I will say. Some some people who know some people were, were <laughs> talking. And I got the feeling that something was coming and I didn't want what we we're putting out to be outdated literally as we're posting it. And I was figured like, we're, if there's going to be news, we'll be talking about it again this week on this week's show. So I was like, let me just cut it. Didn't affect the show length because we ran long anyway. And sure enough, before I even got that posted, I saw a letter from Words of the Coast that went out. <laughs> so my instincts were not wrong. And boy, that was, that was, uh, no, okay. First off, let me say this good for walking something back and not being married to a ridiculously unpopular idea. I will give that much credit where it's due of if you do something, you realize it's terrible. You get out before you get in too deep. It's better than letting it run and just like, you know, sticking to your guns when you know it's bad. So credit there. Unfortunately, that's probably where the credit stops. <laughs> and hey i like a lot of people wizards of the coast i really yeah. do i still got friends that work there still chat with people regularly hell i still done work for wizards of the coast recently but i i got nothing man when i read that 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 feels to me and only thing i can say about it is it feels like somebody in charge of a department wrote it just made sure it made legal checks and then put it out publicly because yeah, I genuinely feel like anybody who knows about PR would not have let that out. I wouldn't have. <laughs> and I know about PR. It's in, I won't say half of my training, but a fair amount of my training. Because, you know, journalism and PR are kind of two Dude, different sides of the coin. It's a rough read, man. It, yeah, they it just... Like, and don't get me wrong. There's some stuff in there like, hey, we obviously rolled a one. Putting yeah. this announcement. I'm like, okay, cool. You're trying to be a little, add a little levity to it. Like, I'm with it. And then it immediately was like, 
But you know, we didn't really lose here. We did both. Like, nah, bro, you took an L. Just, just, <laughs> just take the L, man. Yeah, I don't know just who take it. it. Yeah, just take it. Yeah. It's all right. Like, you're still going to be worth a billion dollars. Yeah, with D and D alone, it's going to be worth like two hundred million. You're good. Just take the L. Like, it's like the, the, the villain going, ah, oh, that was part of my plan. I yeah. wanted the, the Autobots to defeat me just then. Yeah, it was rough. I, I'm like, and, and I am making light of it a little bit because it, it does, it almost feels like it, like you're saying, it almost feels like a bad monologue when you read it. Yeah. Right? It doesn't, it didn't read like somebody, that's why I'm saying it couldn't have gone through a PR check because it doesn't even read realistic. It's, it's talked about before. Like, if you're going to apologize, actually apologize. That's like a little kid where you've caught him like, okay, I'm sorry. You can tell they don't completely mean it. They're doing it because they want to get out of the corner or whatever. But you know what? I'm even fine with it. If you say like, hey, we genuinely believed this was a good idea. and We want to do this thing. But obviously, y'all disagreed as the public. Yeah. And cool. We're at least willing to respect that and not do it. You know, and that and when, when and you make an entertainment, that. yeah, when you make an entertainment project, you serve at the at the public's discretion. Yeah. And and I'm good. With, I I'll even admit, like I don't even think most of what they were offering or saying they want to do with that was that bad. And, and like you said, it, it wouldn't have affected a large because what what was the financial cutoff? Oh, for, it was a big chunk of money before they started asking for yeah so the 99.9 percent of people weren't ever going to be affected by yeah and there there was some other little stuff like it affects some new like kickstarter projects and stuff like that but how many people is that you know what i mean like but but again i get it i'm not saying anybody who's in wrong for hating it because there's a lot of the community and the culture behind dnd that exists because of that original agreement yeah and i get it so you know totally fine but yeah that letter was just so weird. That's the only way I can describe it. Like reading mm-hmm. it, the more I went through it, I'm like, really? Like, I, and again, I don't even care if you apologize or not. You could just say straight up, we wanted to do this thing. This is why we want to do it. We wanted to protect our brand identity. We wanted to make more money. But honestly, we put this we idea. We the bag. We saw yeah. okay. And, and y'all have spoken and y'all disagree with this. And even though we're on different sides of the issue, we are willing to acknowledge how y'all feel, and we are not going to go forward with this thing, right? That's fine. Like, you don't, you, I'm not even asking for an apology. You could just been clear with the facts and then just said, this is why we're pulling it back because we heard you and we respect you and we do not want to piss off our fans any further. That would have been it. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's all you had to do. You, nobody needed an apology, but this weird, like, well, yeah, but we both lost and we're both blah, blah. And I'm like, what? Like, like, what's happening? Like, why? Who wrote this? Like, it, it almost feels like somebody's trying too hard. Honestly, I'm like, why? Absolutely trying too hard. As you said, just take you take your L. It's, you, sometimes you learn more from, lo- many times you lose more from, fa- learn more from failure than success. So yeah, Wizards, take your no, L. I, I've started shows on this podcast talking about things I did wrong and taking an L. So like, right? Like, you, it's easy to do. I promise. Like, I have done, you know, many. We talk about dying on stage. When you die on stage, you know, hey, you you have learned about a whole bunch of jokes that don't work. Don't say those no more. <laughs> you know, dude. Did you ever hear the story of? I want to say it was Chris Rock. And man, there was another comedian. Uh, oh hell, uh, 
crap, wasn't it the the really short guy? Uh, crap, can't remember. <laughs> but anyway, they they were talking about how they were backstage and they they were both doing like an open mic, testing out some stuff or whatever. And uh, they found out after they were performing that Dave Chappelle came into the building and we're in the green room, right? So they they go talk to him or whatever. He comes on. They find out he's going to go on. So of course, with bated breath, they watch him go. And apparently halfway through, the, even though they did well, like watching him halfway through a set, they apparently both looked at each other, crumbled up their notes and threw them away. It was like, yeah, we ain't crap. Like, <laughs> right. So even then, like you can still believe in what you're doing, still have done well and go like, ah, it's still not good enough. Well, you know there's I mean? like, it's, it's crazy. You don't want to go on after somebody like Chappelle that is slated, but you also don't want to go after somebody like we were talking about earlier that just stunk up the joint. Well, yeah, because now everybody's in a bad mood, and you've got all the oxygen out of the. You don't want to go out after either of those people. Oh yeah, yeah, just just like wrestling, right? Like you don't want to go after a dead match. Like that's the whole reason we have dark matches that don't appear on TV is so you get the crowd warmed up. So when the show starts, they're already amped up. You know. Yeah. Nor do you want to go on after you know TLC at WrestleMania where the crowd is they can't cheer anymore because they just spent the past thirty minutes chanting "Holy, you know what?" After all these crazy spots. Oh, for sure. And and that's the thing, right? When we talk about this Wizards thing, it's like it, you can recover from this. Like people, yeah. people made it sound like, oh, that's it. Wizards is done. Like, no, we know that's not true. Like you easily recover. Wizards does something like this ten times a year, <laughs> and you know, nothing's killed them yet. But we talked about you this know? pre-show, right? This is just a thing we hear companies doing. Like they yeah. just—I don't know if you just get big enough, or like you just have crazy big world ideas that just don't resonate with the rest of us, or whatever. Well, it's you know, as you said, like you want to say, big boats turn slowly. Like ours is is a two-man operation, and then you know, in the Patreon, the cheap plug. Now, sister, we we have a thing in, in our, not the Patreon, but the Discord. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of social medias. In the Discord, we have a, you know, thing with, hey, what did you think about this? But for the most part, it's a two-man show. So, yeah, we talk to each other. Neither one of us is going to go off and say, you know, like, hey, yeah, I've decided, you know, the... I've decided I'm joining uh, the, I don't know, XYZ party. That's going to make those decisions when I talk to the other one. But oh, yeah. at a at a corporation with how many employees did this? Oh, now I think they're like 500. Yeah. It's really easy for somebody to kind of go off or like in this case, write a thing that nobody else apparently read or if they read it, they were, you know, kind of look, they're, they're, they're looking at what their actual job is and read, doing that with one eye, reading this thing with the other one. And, and this release gets out. Yeah. I don't know if you, it's a, it's an odd read. It really is. Like, I, I just don't, know how it got a I, I honestly don't think it went through approvals to be honest because i i generally and don't be wrong like people know oh, wizards really that incompetent they would have eh, come on like somebody didn't didn't check with somebody else before that went out because i yeah, how how many times do, do do we over the course of a year we're like oh yeah they shouldn't have done that you know just it's but it even then, right when they haven't done it the follow-up has been like yo yep we messed up you're yeah. right we shouldn't have done that we're gonna go change this that boom we're done Right. This doesn't follow that pattern. Yeah. Like most recently, they had the thing with the the D&D adventure that had like the the monkeys or whatever and all that. Right. Immediately, they're like, hey, we're going to change all the digital things. We're going to do this. We've already talked to the printers, the next round of books, blah, blah, all that. Right. And there was no, hey, yeah, we both won. We both lost. There was none of that. Yeah, And (laughs) and that was all in about what, like five days or something. Right. Right. Very quick. 
So to see something like this was just very weird. It just doesn't follow any normal patterns, which makes me wonder, like, who did this? Because it definitely isn't their nor even for wizards, not a normal reaction and not a normal statement they would have put out. So I don't know. Like anyway. like, obviously, Daquan, you know, is not a big fan of apologies, but boy, this is one of those where, you know, if you do the apology wrong, <laughs> we spent as much time talking about that, exactly. if not more, than we did about all the stuff they did right. And, <laughs> and that's my just... point, right? Like, I'm not even saying you have to apologize. You could have just stated the facts, and that would have been still accurate and good enough. The problem is yeah. when you try to apologize and then you don't, then it looks bad. Because I'm okay with somebody yeah. just owning, like, I still believe I'm right. Y'all still believe you're right. right. But you know what? We're going to concede to y'all and let you have your way. Because we think it's probably the right thing to do. And I'm okay yeah. with that. Like, people can be on opposite sides and still believe what they believe. And that's okay. Because you're providing a product that, at the end of the day, nobody has to have. This yeah. ain't milk. <laughs> this ain't oh. eggs. The, these are, you know, Dungeons and Dragons manuals. And cards. But, if you if you tick people off too much, they can hey, you know what? I can spend my discretionary income elsewhere. So when you serve at the pleasure of other people, yeah, you gotta. But it's like said, the, the problem was it was written like an apology. It was yeah. let's add a little levity. Let's do this thing. Let's throw some D and D. Started off great, and then it was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't even know why you even bothered. Like seriously, you just this all this was just unnecessary and just looks terrible. It's almost like a group project and somebody wrote one half and then somebody yep. came in at the last minute didn't do all their homework and wrote the other part. It's yeah, it kind of does have that vibe a little bit. It does. But anyway, let's talk about a magic thing that popped up this last week. Now, if you've been following social media, you probably saw some really cool graphics popping up with some planeswalkers on a mobile game. And it's not one that's done by Wizards. It's from a game called Smite, which has actually been around for, hell, quite a while now, actually. And it has PC and console versions also. True, it does. And the interesting thing is the ads are working. I've seen quite a few people talk about, oh, man, I've heard about this before. I've never played the game, but now I might. Oh, man, I'm going to think I'm going to download it so I can play as Chandra and blah, 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 right? We're seeing a bunch of those discussions. So that's cool. It would seem to appeal to the same group of people because it's, you know, very, very, has very uh, fantasy themes. You know? Now, the first thing I will talk about is specifically to, related to the ads and stuff they put out. It appears as though the big bad for this version or the new god is Bolus, which isn't necessarily bad because he's been a big bad in magic for years up until, what, four years ago or something. And... The problem I had is, like, the timing's weird. Now, again, we don't know how long this was in the hopper because we all know game development and contracts and negotiation can take a while for a variety of reasons. So this could have been in the in the pipe for three, four years. Who knows? But does that mean that Bolas has a connection to everything going on now? And maybe that wasn't supposed to be revealed yet? Because I was thinking about it, so, like, you know, maybe Teferi goes back in time and he, he asks Bolas, hey, what do you know about this thing and that thing that could help us with the Phyrexians? Or maybe he creates a thing to help bust Bolas out because he's the only one that can help. I don't know. Not saying I'd rather that. I'd rather Bolas stay gone because, you know, I like at least seeing some big bad that's different after a while. But maybe, 
maybe I'm a nerd reading too deep into things, which is the it, it's also it, it's also possible that it's just you know he he is probably the most well known of Magic's big bads. Oh yeah, that's probably the reality to it. To be honest, because who who would be their Magic's number two best known bad guy? I wouldn't even know. That, that, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and number two is an extremely distant. I, mean, I don't know, probably two. the the Emrakul or something. Probably be that yeah. level. I mean, if, if uh, well, looking at how many, you know, as we talked about, how many planeswalkers looking about to buy it, I guess it has to be Phyrexians, right? Yeah, probably. Because in terms of you know bodies stacked up, <laughs> who, who else has more than they do? They're well, they're yeah. killing they're killing half of the Justice League, so to speak. Well, you know. And, there is another problem with Smite. Yeah. And, uh, there's yeah, several. <laughs> well, yeah, two, two big ones, really, that people may not know about. And it's that, one, the, I guess we would call developers and ownership have had some issues with misogyny, pretty serious issues. Uh, not necessarily some very positive situations where women are concerned. So that that's an issue. But yeah, the character designs, or if you see them, the, the, the women do not wear much clothing at all. You know, oh, if yeah, you talk they, about the classic uh, midriff body armor. Yeah. <laughs> and, and in fairness, wizards may not feel like this is a stone they're able to throw at anyone. And I guess that they, in that, they'd be right. But then there's also the other problem of how the game has designed the gods and pantheons you go after. Now, you'd be better served just making up some along the way, or at least using some that are so classically existent that you're not going to bother anybody. But for some reason, they decided to take some of these like Hindu-type religions and were just like, oh, yeah, well, we just didn't want to offend other people, so we're, we're not going to use certain ones. It's like, well, why did you think it's okay to offend those people? And the ones that they pretty much don't use are any Jewish deities, yeah. any Christian deities. And it's like, but but why? And then somewhere along the way, they said, well, we only wanted to worry about dead religions. And, and, like, and Hindu, like, wait, like, bro, excuse us? Do you not know how many people follow that religion? I can only assume they must not have or just decide they didn't care for whatever reason. And then even dumber is there's, you know, like we talked, there's the the whole Norse and roaming pantheon that you can use that has piles of characters. Yeah. Hell, you could make characters off of those if you wanted to and create new ones. And now, to, to be fair, them. I think they are kind of hitting the wall with the Norse. And, sure. and I, at this point, I can't think of very many Greek gods that I've heard of that they haven't used. But then make some up. <laughs> like... But then, you know, that, that's kind of their, because uh, they're largely their selling point is that they they use, you know, the, the Greek gods, the Norse gods, the, the ones that you've heard of. That's or, part of their brand. For as much money as they make, just go out and license some of the others. Like, go get your... Yeah, now what they are doing is the, the Transformers are in there. Nicole Bolas, that's what they're doing now is they're just spreading yeah, out. And, go go get you a Cthulhu, right? People yeah. would love to have that in that type of game. Cthulhu is in the game, actually. They, 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 they do that So, like, do do that type of stuff. So yeah, this is a thing where they are starting to, I think, run low on deities, especially if they've decided to not. And to me, that's one of the flaws with most Christian themed video games. Is they go too far in the direction of let's 
love and hug everybody, especially the Old Testament. There's a whole lot of crazy, violent stuff going on in the Bible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tons. So, so a character like Samson would be a perfect fit. Now, I would hate to see their Delilah design. She'd be super half naked. Probably. <laughs> but, uh, Probably. Samson would be a perfect character or something like this. Uh, King David would be uh, uh, Goliath. Those are uh, it, it frustrates me, you know, that most Christian video games don't use those characters or at least they do in such a sanitized version that it, it's not realistic in any way. Well, yeah, and that's the other thing, too, right? You don't even have to just stick to God. It could be the demigods. It could just be key characters through history. It could be all kinds yeah. of stuff that you could have elevated to a powerful level that you're battling or protecting or whatever, right? So there's there's a lot of things you could do, but it has gotten people a little in a in a mixed spot, right? Because people that know Smite's history are like, ah, I don't yeah. know, this makes me feel some kind of way. But then other people are like, yeah, but this is one of the few times I'll be able to play like Nissa or Jace or whatever in, in this type of scenario. So uh, again, this comes back to what we kind of opened the show with, talking about fictional characters, right? And the attachments you have to them because it creates these level of conflicts that like, you like this character so much and you like this style of game so much that you really want the opportunity to play with your favorite character doing your favorite thing. But at the same time, you're like, ah, but I've kind of find some of the stuff that this company's done pretty questionable. So that puts people in these weird spots. Now, irony is if you showed up to a, any kind of Wizards event dressed up like a Smite character, they wouldn't let you in. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably true. I was about to say something. Like, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> they would at minimum kick you out of the creator program. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you'd have to, they'd ask you like, "Hey, could you wear a cloak with that or something?" Like, yeah, you know, like there, there'd be a little something extra you'd have to put on for sure. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting though. You can hunt around, look for the new Smite ad. You'll see that they cross over with Magic: The Gathering. Uh, I'll admit it looks cool. It's a very neat ad. Will I play the game? Probably not. I haven't played to this point. I'm probably not going to play just because some magic characters are in, but it's definitely been enough to draw people in. So we'll see where it goes. But uh, let's do a quick little chat about some Phyrexians. And again, as I alluded to earlier, talking about the fictional characters, we have a lot of people kind of bothered right now because we're in the middle of preview season, which... That's going swimmingly, by the way. A bunch of crazy cards in the sets. I've already a couple of review videos up. Matter of fact, when we're done recording this, I'm going to do another review video. But uh, everything's going good so far, at least from a card quality and interest standpoint. However, a lot of people are starting to get a little worried and a little upset because some of their favorite people have been completed. And they don't know if that means they're coming back or if they're done or whatever, because we have yet to really see, to my knowledge, what happens or is there a recovery for a planeswalker? Cause so far we had Tamio, then we had a Johnny and people are kind of messed up over that. But now we got five more and a couple in that bunch include Jason Nissa who were like OGs as far as planeswalkers. And That's one of the first decks I learned to play. It was uh, ears of the elves uh, that Nissa, you know, that, that, that cut me deep when I saw that one. Yeah. And we don't know, man. We, now I will say this. Credit to the art direction, because every one of the completed pieces is a throwback to their another Planeswalker art of them. Yep. 
which is pretty cool. So like if you see it, you immediately recognize like, oh, I know what other card that is or whatever. Which Great. so that that's a nice little like just a little tip of the hat, a nice little touch that if you're trying to get people in their feels, <laughs> you go like, oh, you probably played that card a lot. You're attached. You know exactly where this comes from, right? So that nice touch. Credit to them for that. But I don't know, man. Like I've wondered. At what point would we be okay just killing off multiple main characters at some point? I don't know that we are yet, but I'm still holding on to my Jace is a big bad sometime down the road theory. And this that's possible. This still feeds that, right? Like if he carries some amount of damage from the Phyrexians on top of already messing with his own mind three or four times, like that could drive somebody crazy. And he's got tons of power. He knows a ton of stuff. So I'm like, also, we since he, as you mentioned, he said he's an illusionist. Are we? Are the Phyrexians even sure they completed Jace? I would assume. Now here's the, whole the weird thing, part: the whole thing could be an illusion because apparently we don't even know what Jace actually looks like because he's a he's a glamour. Well, yeah. Here's the weird part too, though. It's like my understanding, and I feel like I read this a long time, so I could be wrong, but like to be completed involves like removal of some other parts. So if that's true, I don't think we could reverse this without to fairy antics, maybe like time shifting something or whatever, because it's anything the author wants to write. They can write a planeswalker. That's their, their special power is to uncomplete people. I mean, yeah. When you, when you deal with magic, it'd be different if we were, you know, using some kind of, you know, if if it was, let's say, this was a a, a mafia themed <laughs> card I mean, game. Let's... I mean, I guess it could be like seven of nine, where you still walk around with some of the parts on. Yeah, I mean, First though... thing, it's a great example because yeah, but she was her stuff was reversed. Picard was a board. It's become fairly common. To be to fair reverse though, the that we we kind of we kind of wussed out on Picard because he didn't have any damage carryover. <laughs> But yeah, like I get you though. We 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 could always. Well, I mean, he, he while he physically looks the same, like the way the way Deep Space Nine handled that was perfect. Where the second, you know, he showed up on Deep Space Nine, Cisco was ticked because Picard killed his wife as Locutus. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying, like Picard himself didn't like like we always knew that Seven of Nine had been aboard. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, so, so while he doesn't carry any physical damage, he has yeah. to deal with the fact that yeah, he's no telling how many. How many Mrs. Cisco's he killed while he during that brief time he That's was aboard? Also true. So yeah, I don't, I don't know where this is gonna go. I mean, even if we do, do we like? Because you know, like Nahiri doesn't even have arms anymore. She just got right. swords. Like, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't even know where her arms went. Like, what do we do with that? Right. So there, there's some weird stuff right now. Um, for me personally, I will say this though. I, I get why we have to do like the dark horror, whatever, like there is an appeal for that. I know there's an audience for it. It's easier to tell a scary story and doom being imminent or whatever. If you make things creepier, like, so I get it. But at the same point for me personally, I'm kind of like, yeah, but I'm sort of over it. Like, I don't, I don't really need that in my storytelling. So I'm just, I just put myself like, I'm not the target audience for that type of story slash art, but the cards themselves there's a lot of cool and interesting things in this set. Way more than I say we've seen recently. And we've only seen like maybe 20% of the set, I think, at this point. So 
a lot to go because as we're recording this, we're only on day two of official previews, total of like day three worth of cards. So there's there's a lot to still uh, to discover about this, and I think it's going to be a pretty popular set. I mean, if anything, it's, go ahead. I was gonna say it, it's basically zombies, and people love zombies. Yeah, that's fair. It kind of is a zombified version of some of the characters. Yeah, I I could get behind that. Or if you if you read DC Comics, this is the Black Lantern Corps. Yeah, exactly. Which man, I was really let down by that story. Like everything up to the when like the whole discovering that there's all these different colors of the rings and whatever like i was into it i'm like this is kind of yeah. cool it gives an explanation of why it was always like this whole fear related thing or whatever like emotions attached to stuff and then i was like oh never mind now we now we're back to zombies i'm out <laughs> so I, <laughs> I literally read up to that point and the minute you get that scene with like i think it's like zombie batman or something whatever that's like coming out of the ground I'm like that's it i'm done like <laughs> I, I quit reading the rest of that arc and again, not not that I hate zombies. I'm just like, we've so overplayed our hand on zombies. We just we just have the the, the numbers say differently. Oh, no, no, I understand if people like it and they're still buying it, go for it. But man, Last of Us just debuted to some record numbers exactly. for HBO. I'm like, so. go for it. Like, I'm I'm not going to tell people not to do it. I just when you look at the stories, when people say, "Oh, I want something original," I want this. Like these stories are all very much the same. And, but when people say they want something original, I mean, what what has come out in the past twenty years? It's been original. Almost oh. everything's been done before at this point. Yeah, honestly, you know, it's one of the reasons I enjoyed something like Twenty Four because it was the whole concept of the show was so different. Yeah, and, and I was I was into it. Like, okay, we have twenty four hours to do this whole season, and it's going to be done in real time. And like, that was cool. It was something different. And I guess now you would say a kaleidoscope. Have you heard about that? Yeah, I watched that. That was pretty cool. Okay, and and what I like about Kaleidoscope, like, it works for me anyway because I'm one of those people that I can watch a show out of order and not care, you know, and it annoys my wife a ton. Yeah, but like, I can imagine. Like, it just doesn't bother me. Like, I'll piece it together in my head as I see the stuff, and it's fine. But it was cool to understand like that was being done purposely to watch that. So, if you watch them in one order you're going to feel differently about the plot and the characters or whatever through the development than the way I'll feel when I watch it. Cause even while watching it, I had the thought of, I was, I was telling people like, you know what, if I'd have seen this before this, not knowing yeah. where this character was going or not having the foresight of like how this was going to finish, I might not have liked this character as much. Yeah. Or the one Trying not to like spoil it for anybody hasn't seen it. Like the one doofusy character, there is a way that if you see those in a certain order, you have at least a little more sympathy for them than you would if you see them in all the other orders. And I guess for anybody that hadn't heard about it or seen it, basically the, it's a Netflix show, and the gimmick of Kaleidoscope is that apparently you can watch the episodes in any order. Yeah, like it's purposely told out of order, and each one appears at a different point in the timeline. So you'll watch one that's like, it's a heist movie, by the way. So the last yeah. episode's always the same where you see the heist go down. But everything else is six years before the heist, two days before the heist. You know, there's one, I think it's like a year after the heist or whatever, right? So depending on how you watch it, like you have all these different facts or you're missing different facts, but it as a like social exercise or a mental exercise, if you think back on it, it really does affect how you would view some of those characters. 
Because like I said, there's one character you just hate, but I'm like, man, I bet if I'd have seen this first, my hate might not have been as strong for that character. Which, rightfully, by the end, you'd still hate him again. But (laughs) that my first appearance of him, I would feel differently. And those that's a 24 applies, kaleidoscope applies. I would have a hard time of thinking that we probably, I probably couldn't get 10 shows that are as different as those shows. Most shows, especially when I watch, you know, Hey, here's what's coming out this fall. Almost everything reminds me of something else. There was a neat one. Uh, also a Netflix show. I watched it actually two Netflix shows. There was one called travelers. I don't know if you saw that one, but it was people I don't think I who did. were like in the future. And it was like something bad was about to happen. I can't remember what it was like, you know, some nuclear war type thing between war and factions or whatever. So they were able to jump back in time, but they almost had to like in a weird way, sort of quantum leap it where you're in somebody yeah. else. You take somebody else over. So they had to find a point in the timeline where somebody was about to die so they could assume a body that, you know, was going to be left effectively yeah, And then try to use that to stop the plot of what was coming. So, like, that was kind of a weird and different show. And I, I it was kind yeah. of, it only got and, like And, three and even with that, like you said, you could describe it by saying, you know, Quantum Leap. <laughs> quantum Leap-like. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, that, that was the thing. And then the other one was uh, our, uh, Altered Carbon, which was basically in the future where people could effectively save their their consciousness. And you can have it uploaded to different bodies. So you could live as somebody else. Like, you, if you had a bunch of money, you could just... One dude, he was rich enough, I think he had just had a bunch of clones made of himself. So and whenever I he think, died, he just jacked himself into a new body or something. If we don't destroy the planet, I think that's technology we may achieve one day. Yeah, crazy, right? They, so, they already have apparently learned how to somewhat reanimate pig organs. So. Yeah, I saw that. And we, and we think we also completely raised a i think it was a lamb embryo and they they made like a a makeshift i guess you'd call it pouch to be able to raise like grow the baby the embryo so that was kind of crazy and you can you can clone animals apparently barbara streisand has cloned dogs if you're willing to pay that so Though the, the reason we're not doing or one of the reasons we're not doing humans is because it is supposed to be illegal well, you know how now that goes. We all, yeah, we all know <laughs> speeding is also illegal. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's interesting though, right? Just the different stuff that's out there. But in this case, you know, people do like zombified stuff. So it's obviously going to hit with a reasonable part of the audience. And to their credit, again, over time, there has been an attachment built to the Praetors and to Phyrexia. So... Mm-hmm. It makes sense to come back to this and let that be a story for half a year or whatever in Magic. I don't, I don't fault them. And really, I think it's going to be about nine months worth. So we'll see where it leads. But so far, card-wise, it's off to a good start. I, I think there's going to be a lot of people holding their breath until the next set story completes to find out what happens to their favorite characters being Definitely. completed or uncompleted. Which did you think about when's the last time we had that for this many characters? So I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I think it's good every once in a while. Again, because you at least put that urgency of like when something happens, it might affect somebody you like, right? The plot armor isn't impenetrable. (laughs) It could. And we saw that happen, right? We lost Gideon and almost lost Liliana. And people went like, oh, wait, we're willing to kill a character off? And people weren't even that attached to Gideon. But all of a sudden, people had another feel about it going like, oh, crap. 
we, we I think we, if you played white, you probably were because he was kind of the, the poster child for you know. Oh, like I can this. tell you from being at Wizards and seeing the numbers that came in, like there wasn't a lot of Gideon love. <laughs> if like we people played with Gideon cards, but there wasn't an attachment to Gideon, very sadly. Uh which I think also made him the safe character to try that with. And that's probably why he he drew the short straw, honestly. Okay. But uh, let's talk about something a little bit different and a little lighter for our dinner table discussion before we get out of here. One of the things that came up and somebody had asked, you know, just as a group, because I knew I had, but I guess I didn't know if you had, but said, like, have you ever played in a big event? And if so, how did you overcome your fear or jitters your first time? I mean, I guess I've ever been at like one of the final tables at a big event. I've played in qualifiers and things and realized you're probably, I don't know, there, there probably aren't jitters until you get to the point to where you, or I don't, I guess it depends on the person. Yeah. Like I said, for me, I don't start getting nervous until, hey, oh, wait, I'm actually, I've actually won my first two or three. Something could happen here. And those have been, I'll say, for the most part, rare occurrences for me. So not really a whole lot of jitter. That's interesting, you know, because. I'm kind of the same way. I don't know if I had a point, even when I went to like the first pro tour I went to in New York in like 99, like I don't remember ever being nervous entering the event, but I feel like there's been other events where as you, like you said, you start having a couple of rounds of success and you get in your head a little bit of like, okay, wait, is today the day? Yeah. Like, is it, it, wait, if I win two more, we might be playing for some cash. Like, hold up. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that changes things a little bit. And you kind of have to reel yourself in a little bit and just be like, okay, let's reset. Let's take a breath. Let's go walk it off. Let me go talk with my friends a little bit. Yeah. You know. And then I definitely, this is my, you know, my uh, bad beat story from Collectible Card Gaming. Uh, but back the first time Versus was, a, was around, had the pro circuit. I believe it took uh, 10 credits to qualify for the pro tour, as yeah. it were. I had nine, and then the game went belly up. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, because I just had, had over time, had done well enough in enough events to where I had accumulated nine. Yeah, that that's a rough one. And because, you know, for the most part, it was versus obviously, though, they aspired, you know, to become like Magic or Yu-Gi-Oh! That never really happened. So a quote-unquote big versus event there might have been 30 people there most of the times when i was playing yeah i think like a lot of games you know it, it started off too high trying trying yeah inevitably every game i know that started out with their goal of just like we're going to do a pro tour and that's that and the other like has harm done themselves more harm than good with that like it, i think it's okay to have some tournaments set up or some local prizes or whatever and build up to that but I just think you set the bar so high and you come with the negativity of people who may have experienced bad things from other companies or games that have done it. But yeah, I would say I, I felt more jitters in preparing for a big event than playing in the big event. Definitely. Yeah, it's easy to just keep thinking the same, you know, you get inside your own head. I know sometimes I do. Yeah. For me, it was just like, am I even spending time on the right things? Is this deck even going to be relevant? Like, do I want to spend the money on this? And I'm, I might change my mind at the last minute. You know, like that stuff I felt 
more impactful to me than than the concerns about actually playing in the tournament. It's now that uh, is uh, another event. It was a local tournament. It, it wasn't a big event, but I felt bad because I may have retired somebody. That's rough. It was, uh, you know, because it, it was uh, Daquan in knows this game. He played Raw Deal. It was based on WWF wrestling. It was WWF back then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, as in most games, I play the thing I'm going to have fun with, you know, not this sort of thing I'm going to house people with. And somebody's like, you know, Brian, just, just one time, we, we just want to see the claws come out. We, we want to see you just, you, you, you're a better player. Than, we want to see you build, you know, the, the thing that, that, that hurts people. So just one tournament, I decided, okay, if you want me to go heal, I'll go heal. Especially since it's a wrestling game. I played right to censor, and DeQuag can testify during its time. Right to censor is one of the most broken wrestlers in the game. They had basically an omni reversal that the second you played a card, whatever type of move it was, the card automatically hit you for seven, which meant I had seven of what basically that game's mana to do anything I want to do for the rest of the game. Yep. So, yeah, I played that, and, of course, it, I housed people. I got to the top of four, and then I was matched up against the, the, this kid, and I'm old enough to say kid. I was old enough back then, and he was 14, 15 if he was a day. It may have been his second tournament, and he sits down across the room and he says, I've never seen a right-to-center deck before. What does it do? And I just already – I felt like the devil at that point. Because, again, that's not the type of thing I usually play. All my friends know that is not the t- – if you listen to this podcast, you know that's not the type of deck I usually play. And one of the people who had been, you know, cheering me out, like, yo, go, Brian, pl- play the vicious thing. It's now standing behind me, realizing how much I hate this moment. It's like, do you feel bad, Brian, Al? <laughs> do you feel – like, yes, I feel extremely terrible about this. This is this poor kid's, I think, second tournament. And, and, and yeah, he tried to he tried to get moves off of his right to center. He he couldn't he couldn't get in. I destroyed him, and I I I never saw him again. He, he may have played. I, I felt horrible. Man, you can't do anything about it though. That's that's competitive no, no, game he, because I, I would have felt bad if I just you know let him win. That yeah, exactly, that, exactly. And with right to center, it would have been completely obvious because, again, they have the zero seven reverse every card in the game. So I just it's almost impossible to throw <laughs> with the character that powerful. Yeah, you know, it's always tough, right? Being on either side of that when it's somebody yeah. new or you are the new person in that environment. So, yeah, I don't. Yeah, there's really no good answer for that. Like, because because even if I'm the new person, I don't want somebody just going easy on me just because. Yeah. But at the same you time, it's like you get blown out. Like, what did I did I do something wrong? How how did I lose so bad? Right? Because you don't even know enough to know what went wrong. Yeah. Right. So it's a it's a tough and, situation. It is those are yeah. If it follows my gaming career, knows that's traditionally not the kind of stuff I play. I play the stuff that first, especially for a wrestling card game. I would play some of my favorite wrestlers, whether they were any good or not. I would often play people like Rey Mysterio, the Hardy Boys, because if I were a wrestler. That's the kind of restaurant I want to be. I want to be, you know, somebody that jumps up, so like Jeff Hardy. No, Brian, don't do it. That's the kind of wrestler yeah. I would have wanted to be if I had any physical athletic ability at all. And those were often they weren't 
the best wrestlers because you to do a high risk, you got to at least get a move off before you can go to the top rope and do something cool looking. Yeah, of course. If you don't, if you don't hit the first move, you're never getting to the top rope and everything falls apart. But you know, to bring it back to the question, I would say, you know, everyone's going to have a different routine. And I think that's the biggest thing for what's going to be good for you or not. And if I could say anything, it's probably just figure out what your normal routine is and stick as close to that as possible. Like for me, and I do this even when I travel and before I, even if I'm not competing, like if I'm going just to do a speaking engagement or I'm just going to go engage the community for a day or whatever, I try to do everything the same way I would do when I get up. I carry all my same stuff. I'll get up, shave, brush my teeth, whatever, in the same order I would normally do it. You know, if I have breakfast, whatever, I try to get something about the same heaviness that morning or whatever I would normally eat. Just, you know, and even when I go to the events, I'll carry some snacks with me. I'll have a bottle of water in my bag, some sunflower seeds or like a gum, some gummy bears or whatever. So I'm still able to stay normal. I'm not worried about being hungry or nothing else. And just not adding something else to something that could allow me to be off my game or nervous or whatever. And I think those little things go a long way toward just like yeah. mentally keeping you in a good spot. Definitely. Now, if I add, you know, not just like card events, but if I talk about especially I like doing uh, doing plays or stand-up performances, now, yeah, absolutely. If the, the more people in the audience, the more nervous I get. Or if the more, uh, for example, I auditioned for the last comic standing, and after I got off stage, I almost passed out. <laughs> I was, yeah, I just... Uh, I had sweated every ounce of moisture out of my body, which is the only reason I didn't throw up because there was no moisture left in my body too for me to physically do that. I just, I bet you weren't the only one. Oh no, absolutely not. I mean, that's, that's kind of, you know, I mean, I was, Tisha's seen this. So she usually doesn't, if it's a big audition, she won't even go anymore because she is scared. I'm going to pass out afterwards because I just get, (laughs) you know, you'll think I'm about to keel over and die, but in 15 or 20 minutes, I'm okay again. Now I will give everybody a freebie that if you're going to be at events for a long time and you're going to be standing in line or you're going to be walking a convention floor or whatever, bring an extra pair of socks. Like, it sounds crazy, but if you switch socks about halfway through your day, your feet are going to feel so much better. And a lot of times that will have a pretty positive impact on you and your mental state. It doesn't sound crazy to me because I know I sweat <laughs> like a pig. There are so many people that have worked a lot of conventions that will tell you, like, yep, take a break, go back to your hotel room, go to the bathroom, yeah. whatever, swap out, put some other socks on. It changes. Mm-hmm. It's a lifesaver for a lot of people. Yeah. But all right, Brian, once everybody they can find you on the social media. All right. I am Brian Sonic on uh, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Our family channel on YouTube is Allen's Ever After. Uh, we are at, I think, maybe, uh, I think we're maybe about 20 or 30 hours away from 4,000. So, yeah, if y'all want to go by there and, and watch what we do when we're not, po- when, when I'm not podcasting or playing video games. And you can find oh, and also uh, you can find my writings over at tiltmagazine.com. I think that's everything I have to plug <laughs> right now. You got a lot of stuff, which is good. Well, you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And I'm hoping, crossing my fingers, that a couple of projects I have in the pipe get the proper approval so we can announce some really cool stuff coming, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks. So we'll see. 
But as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please take care of you and yours. And remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash color of magic you can also find us on facebook under color of magic and if you want to follow us along at twitter you can find us there at color of mtg and as always please share the podcast around to your friends your network people you think might enjoy it because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base 